Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood is coming up next. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, redsearadio.org, and donate to our apostolate, or even become a member of our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society and keep us on the air. Thank you so much, and God bless you. All right. You know what that means? That means you're listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. Uh, it's just me this week, so um, you'll have to bear with me. But we'll begin, as we always do, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so uh, this week, it's going to be a monologue, but... uh, We'll do the best we can. I'm going to converse with this article that um, that I found. It was it's about six years old, but just with things that are going on with with our kids and and um, and, and in looking back after reading this article, um, I thought it would be we thought it would be a good um, time to talk about how do you how do you give your kids the tools to be able to discern what God's will is. Um, and kind of the the verse that I think that we'll that we'll use is one of my favorites. If you saw my Bible, it's highlighted in several colors. Um, not sure why, but anyway, pink and yellow. <laughs> uh, Romans twelve two says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." And so. St. Paul's saying there are a number of things, you know, don't be conformed to this world. Um, instead, be transformed. And that's by the renewal of your mind for the purpose of discerning God's will. And so um, the word, sometimes it may, may prove what is the will of God. In other translations, it's may discern what is the will of God. And so that's why we're using using that. And so I think before I get started on this, I think it's important, um, and I think we've said this before, but if you listen to the show, we've said lots of things before. So um, I think part of kind of the the framework that we have to lay in our households is an understanding and a belief that God's got a plan for each one of us, right? That there's That there's something unique, unrepeatable about you as a human being that lives on this earth at this time for such a time as this, like in the book of Esther, that you have to do, that you've been put on this planet to do, and that part of being a Christian, part of being Catholic, is to discern what that what the will, will of God is for your life. And so it has to start from kind of just always telling our kids God has a plan for you and no matter what you're going through or what difficulties you have or struggles, he has something for you and that you're going to be the happiest if you discern that and then spend the rest of your life living out that plan, no matter what it is. So I think we're talking about discernment here Um and I found this article in is a Seton magazine, which I, it looks like it's tied with Seton Home Study School. Um, and 
it's titled Seven Tools Our Children Need to Discern God's Will. And I thought there's some really good points here. I like it because, you know, for me, it's easy. It's it's a an acronym. So the word discern is translated into the the seven things conveniently. There's seven letters in in discern. And um I think they were really helpful. Um, it's worth reading the article because it's pretty cool. I'm not going to really spend a bunch of time on the story what that's kind of relayed about this lady. And she uses a specific example of how they discerned whether their child should be allowed to um, participate in dance classes during the year because they, they had a rule um, that they only did extracurriculars in the summer. And how how they came to discern and how the daughter came to discern at a young age um, that it was indeed God's will for her to be in the class during the year. So I think part of it is this. Um, we as parents and as parents, we have to, we really do have to understand that, that God's will may not be our, our will, right? We have to be open to whatever it is that God has for our children. So, um, I mean, there's certain things we know that's not as well watching a, a bad movie, you know, doing certain things that they shouldn't be doing. We, we can say no to those, but on something like this, where it's just a rule that you've got in place to actually discern that, um, and, and be open to maybe God asking something of your child that maybe you hadn't, uh, foreseen or, or or maybe didn't even think you would say be able to say yes to. So that openness. And I love this because they came up alongside her. And I think that's such an important point about parenting is lots of times it's not it's not talking down to a child. It's pulling up alongside as Pope Francis would talk would talk about accompaniment. That's not Hey, follow me. It's hey, I'm going to get down with you, and we're going to walk through this thing together. And I think that's another thing. If you read the article, um, and again, you could plug in. Uh, we maybe we can put it up there. But the seven tools our children need to discern God's will by Seton on Seton Magazine, and uh, the author is Abby. I'm guessing Sasser S A S S C E R. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but. But anyway, um, so I, I love this. So the, the acronym, if you can just remember, um, well, first off, they give what is discernment. And, and I liked her definition. This is what the mother explained to the daughter is that, that she said when, her, when she asked her mom, well, what is discernment? Um, says discernment, this is what she said. Discernment is the process of praying, listening, and making a decision here on earth but making sure that we give heaven the final say on the matter. I, I kind of like that. So I'll say it again. Discernment is the process of praying, listening, and making a decision here on earth, but making sure that we give heaven the final say on the matter. And I think that's a great one. If you want to want to steal that one, I think that's a, that, that works well. So anyway, tools to discern. Um, the first one is D, and that's a daily prayer life. And so it's really important, I think, that we, as parents, both by example and by going through the days as they grow up, show our kids that prayer is a daily thing that we do. And um, while at least initially as as parents, I think um, we can, they need to learn their prayers, right? They need to learn the Our Father and the Hail Mary and uh, Glory Be and whatever else, um, certainly those for sure. But but they need to learn those prayers, and it's that's important. But we need to also teach them that prayer is something more than that. I was talking with one of my daughters yesterday, and she had she'd been on a on a uh, mission trip of sorts. With, with the Sisters for Life this past, this previous week. And, and she was just saying that she's always known that it was important to listen. But um, one of the sisters, I think, was telling her, it's like, okay, can you think of any person 
that you have a relationship with that you would pick up the phone and call and then talk without any feedback for 30 minutes and say, great talking with you and hang up. And I think lots of times, <laughs> I think lots of times, um, we kind of check off, you know, do the checklist. Like, oh, I've said my prayers and that's it. When in fact, we need to teach our children and ourselves that there has to be, and there'll be a little bit more on this a little bit later, but um, on some of the other letters in this acronym for discern, but that prayer is more of a conversation than it is just saying rote prayers. And that's something you have to mimic. Again, Partly, you have to share your own experience um, to let them know, even if they don't, you know, as they grow up. I mean, I've had, I've had, um, I've had children that have said, "Well, I don't, I don't hear God," and and lots of times I said, "Well, it's not necessarily. It's important to say it's not not necessarily a audible word or even a word in your head. It could be, um, it could be." I read a scripture and it kind of hit me a different way or whatever, but, but that there's some listening and, you know, it was neat to hear her as she went up there and was praying daily and spending a holy hour daily, which was, which was um, a great experience. She's very much a doer. And so to actually have to slow down was that, but for the first time I ever heard her say, you know, I was in prayer and I was, griping about the fact that we were spending too much time doing nothing, uh, you know, resting and not, and not doing. She's like, I'm on mission. And, and, you know, I work for three or four hours and then they say, well, go take a break. And that's just not her personality. And she said she was getting aggravated and she was in holy hour and she was like expressing her aggravation, which again, that's another part of prayer that I think is really important. That, that we need to share our heart. I mean, not that God doesn't know that, but we need to be open about what we're feeling, what we're going through. Lord, I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm aggravated or whatever. I mean, to be open with the Lord. He knows it, but I think he appreciates that openness. And, and for the first time I've ever heard her say, uh, very clearly she said, I, I, in, that, in that time that I was in prayer, I heard... I need you to be familiar with rest, which for her is so contrary to her personality, everything. But she said at at that point, there was a great sense of peace. And I said, that probably was the Lord at that point, because that's what he's going to give you is peace. And you may hear things that you don't want to (laughs) hear or go against the way you are or whatever it is. And so it was so cool to hear that. But I I hope that because of stories that we told about our own prayer lives and, and situations that we had where we felt like God was answering a prayer that, that they are aware of, even if they've not experienced it to date, that God does want to share something of himself and give us wisdom. I mean, I've never gotten a paragraph text from the Lord or anything like that. They tend to come very much like my daughter for me, at least in little snippets. Um, you need to become familiar with rest. And um, it is game changing for her. But um, anyway, so make daily prayer something that, that our, your kids are aware that you do. So in the morning, you know, when we were driving to school, when, when I was taking the kids to school, we would always say a morning offering and ask for prayers and I would try to do, we, we would maybe do some of the memory prayers and our father or whatever, but then we'd also, I'd try to share in the way I prayed a, um, something of my own heart in expressing it to the Lord. And then just have it be maybe even a question, Lord, what do you have for us today? You know, open our eyes that we might see what you're going to, what you want to do with us today something along those lines so that there's an expectation at some point and that that's something ingrained into what they understand of prayer. It's not just saying the prayers. It's, it's a conversation. So make daily prayer um, something that you do and on a regular basis, certainly when you eat dinner, you know, 
say say a prayer. Um, make sure that you're praying before they go to bed at night with them. Um, certainly in the morning as they go, just to have it be part of something that happens throughout the day. And when you have a, a, an experience that's appropriate to share, share it so that they know that's part of what the experience of being a Christian is, of being Catholic, is that, that you're sharing them so that they know. You've got to let them into you. <laughs> you got to let you got to open yourself up to them so that they can get some um, understanding of what's going on in your own heart um, and in your own prayer life. So don't be afraid to share that. Obviously, there's maybe some things you don't uh, share with them, but 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 make it something that they are at least hearing that. Well, mom and dad, they pray and they listen, and they're in a conversation with God. So. D, daily prayer life. Number, uh, the second one is, of course, discern I, the second letter, which is interest. Um, and so this is, I think, really an important thing. You, know, it, She says in this article, God also makes our purpose known um, or what the will of God is through the gifts, the talents, and the interest that he's planted in our minds and hearts. So, you've got to help them understand, help them understand they're going to be drawn to certain things and they're going to have certain interests that they, that they love. And that's part of discernment that, that if they have, if they're drawn towards something, you need to help recognize that if they have gifts of doing something. So oldest daughter, a big, big dancer, you know, she loved dance. She's doing it today. But something that we encourage is you have that gift. That is something that that the Lord has given you. So we need to help foster that and see where he takes you with that. And so interests are that. I mean, and, and it, for that, it ended up being part of her career. I mean, that's what she does now. <laughs> Other interests and, and gifts for, for me was, was sports. I had kids, I had kids that loved baseball and None of them played in college and none of them played professionally. I mean, but but we always enjoyed sports because I thought that there were, particularly as they were younger, there were so many things that they could learn to develop character. Like, what, what's it like to fail your team? Like, strike out when, if you get a hit, you win the game and you strike out, you're the GOAT. Well, I guess nowadays, GOAT, that's wrong, wrong term. Uh, I guess nowadays, GOAT means the greatest of all time. Back when I was... Growing up, goat would mean you weren't the greatest of all time, but um, but anyway. So I think I think that we you need to look at their talents and gifts and point them out as gifts, right? That God has given you this gift, and and let's run with it, um, and run with what you're interested in, and let's see where it takes you and learn going through that. Like I said. I taught many a lesson on what it what it meant to fail, uh, on what it meant to be a success. You know, because sometimes they're the hero. Sometimes they they do get that hit, or they make the play that ends the game, or whatever. But but teach them that life is full of that. Life is full of those ups and downs. That you're not always going to be the hero, and you're not always going to be the one that costs it. But you probably are going to be both of those things in your life. And so you can you can um, teach a great deal through their interests because they care about it enough, right? I mean, if they if they really are invested, like my kids were in baseball, you can teach a ton by what they're interested in because they're going to pour themselves into it and they're going to listen more than if it was some other thing. Like you're you know they may hate algebra. I mean, if you're going to try to teach those lessons in algebra and they hate algebra, it, that's not going to do it. But if they want to be a good baseball player or a good dancer or whatever, they're invested in that. And so much more likely to be able to teach character traits, learning things like that through that. And so we want to encourage, you know, for us in our household, our rule was not, we're not going to do it, not during the year, but we would say, you know, we have six kids. We can't have everybody doing multiple because we, we started that early where we had a kid play soccer and then it overlapped with baseball or basketball or something and then the whole family got disheveled as a as a part of that so we always just say okay 
let's pick one and let's finish that and then decide whether you want to move forward with it or whatever. But there's great, great lessons in this discernment process with regard to following interests that are life skills that you teach them. I mean, one of my favorite stories, of course, I'm going to make an aside here, but was my son loved baseball so much that one day he was, I mean, he was always ready 30 minutes before practice. I'd get home from work and he would be, he'd have his bag, he'd have all his his, unif- his practice gear on or whatever, and he would be sitting at the door and I'd have to come home and hurry and, and go. And, and it started to rain. And before I left, I called up and they said, yeah, we're not going to have any practice or whatever we're going to do. And he was, and again, I'm glad that he asked the question and it's part of what we had told him that God's in control of everything. So what was his question is why would God do this to me? (laughs) You know, he's a seven or eight year old kid. Why would God mess up this? And so again, this is a diversion, but what I'm telling you is as in this discernment process, the things that God will use you can use as a parent to teach them other skills, even if that particular thing that they're doing is not something that's going to carry them forward in terms of their skill development. Like I said, nobody's playing baseball for money. Nobody earned a scholarship, nothing, but I'm glad we did it. And, and anyway, I, I asked him, and this is always a good way to handle it. So as I said, why do you think God might have let it rain? I mean, I don't know. I said, well, I mean, what does rain do? And he said, well, you know, I guess rain makes things grow. And I said, you think maybe the farmers would like rain? Yeah. And I said, do you think that if it didn't rain based on what you wanted, that they might lose their crops or something and livelihood? And he was like, yeah. And I said, so, so maybe it's a bigger deal that it rains and you miss out and on practice or whatever, you know, game uh, because of the rain that maybe somebody else needed rain more than you needed not rain. And he was like, okay. Well, th- those are the type of things that I think you can use to teach as they foster this discernment of interest. But discernment always is going to have, like, what is my heart calling me towards? What am I interested in? What are my gifts? What are my talents? And helping them recognize that when they have a gift or a talent, that that is a that is a a gift that God's given them and that we don't know exactly what that's going to lead to, but we need to kind of follow that to its end. And while they're following that, there's tons of teaching opportunities in, in that. But always, again, I said the framework has to be God's got a plan. God's in charge. God loves you. His plan is perfect for you. And and use that as kind of an overarching always theme in your in your household. So interest is second. So be looking at their gifts and talents and um, and encourage them. I've got another daughter on on interest. Sometimes they have a gift or talent that is not of interest. I've got one who's a great speaker. She doesn't like to speak and she tries to avoid it at all times, but but sometimes you have to encourage them through the through the gift and say, you really are good at that. And so you need to not walk away when somebody asks you to maybe speak, encourage them through that. Because sometimes you may have a gift that God wants to use that you, that doesn't always come as easily as possible, but you as a parent's job is to help recognize, okay, that's a gift and let them know that. And you need to use it. And, maybe help foster them through some of their other um, misgivings with regard to that. So anyway, first one, daily prayer, D. Second one, I, and discern is interest. Number, uh, the third one, S, for in discern is, and she's actually got three S's here. So sacred scripture, silence, and spiritual direction. Um, so here, th- this is what she said. I also, this is the mother talking about when she talked to her daughter about dance lessons. I also introduced the fact that God can speak to us clearly in sacred scripture. And then she throw this is one of my favorite scripture verses too. It's Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
great, great one to memorize that God, his word is providing light for us to show us the path we're supposed to go, we're supposed to go down. So scripture verses, one of the things I know Stephanie's always encouraged and she, and again, this is how you do this with regard to scripture. Stephanie would come across one and they, there might've been something that they're working, that they were working on or maybe struggling with and find, would find a verse. And Stephanie would on the mirror, sometimes she would have, she would have, I guess, erasable things. I wish she was here, but, but like markers and she would write the verse on, on uh, the mirror. So when they were brushing their hair or brushing their teeth for a time, there would be a verse that would help them with whatever they were doing. And so I think that's a great way to kind of uh, show them um, that that scripture has something. The cool thing is, is my uh, both of my daughters. I haven't seen it in my guys' rooms. Maybe I, maybe it's because it was Stephanie that was doing this. But they now I can if you go into their room, you can kind of see on either sticky notes or whatever scripture verses that they're they've put to where they can see them on their mirror or in their prayer corner or on the top of their Bible or whatever, that's something that they've kind of latched onto for whatever's going on in their life at this point. So that's what you're trying to get to. And again, same thing. When you read scripture, you, you can share with them. Hey, you know, I read this today. I've read it a hundred times. I know, <laughs> but for some reason it spoke to me in this way. Open yourself up to that. Let them see kind of inside you what God is doing and what God has done. I mean, that's, that's such an important part of being a parent. So to, to open up your spiritual life to them. Um, and so scripture is another one. Uh, so the, one of the S's is scripture. The second one um, is silence. <laughs> this is a hard one, right? I mean, uh, nobody likes um well, I'm not saying nobody likes. Most people are uncomfortable with silence for lots of different reasons, but we have to kind of teach them. Now, I don't think we ever did this. Now, we would have prayer times, and Stephanie's talked about the fact that she would have, you know, candles that would kind of signify, okay, don't bother me right now, barring somebody's thrown up or <laughs> somebody fell or somebody's bleeding. Um, it's my quiet time. And we would even, like she said, Stephanie would, would even have um, candles for them that they could light, obviously with supervision um, to show that they were going through prayer time. So we would, we would try to encourage that. They would, this lady said that they kind of instilled a quiet hour in in their home um, as the children would wake up. So there would just be a time when they, when they got up where there was really just silence. And so, um, anyway, I think that's when you hear God and part of the silence, I think, I don't think she addresses this part of the silence is we have to spend enough time to where we can kind of let go and be silent internally, not just silent. The house is silent. You know, there's no TV on, there's no music on, you know, Nobody's clanking dishes, that kind of silence. But we gotta, we gotta teach ourselves and challenge ourselves and and our children to kind of get silent inside, where there's not, and that's that's really hard. But I think to to teach that that, that that's in that silence is where often we hear God or we recognize something that's welling up inside of us to hear Him. And like I said, I heard that from my daughter hundred miles an hour all the time <laughs> and for her to have to, to get to it, she fell in love with it, but to get to spend every day for an hour in adoration was a game changer for her because Jesus is there present. I've always told them it's like, you know, uh, the old Vatican one would say that, you know, you got to place yourself in the way of grace. And I said, it's like, it's like the sun when you go outside and uh, or at a football game or at a baseball game or just at the beach, that the sun has an impact on you no matter what you do, right? 
And and I said, that's the way grace is. You know, you won't walk out sunburned for being in the presence of the sun, S-O-N, but, but you will be changed or transformed because of the grace that is flowing because you're in his presence. And so for her, that's when she heard for the first time that I can remember her ever recounting to us. That's another thing, guys. Let me tell you something. You have to have a family that you share enough and are open to hearing to where when they're 22 years old, that they'll share with you that. You want the culture that says, you can share with me what's going on inside, things that I'm struggling with. That's It's so important to do that. So anyway, silence is one of those things. You've got to get comfortable with yourself by encouraging it, and then you got to teach it to a certain extent by imposing that, but then also try to help them understand you're trying to get rid of the thoughts about, okay, I've got 10 more minutes. I could, you know, if those kind of things try to just let go and be in his presence, if you can get that oration, obviously that's a great place as well. And then <laughs> the last one, which I've, I've never done. I, um, I mean, I've personally had a spiritual director, but they, but they, but they say that when they get older, it's the right person, right place, that spiritual direction might be an added S that could be used um, as they go forward. So anyway, uh, D, I, S, next one is C. Uh, this is, con- the, the, she uses C, confirmation. And it's not the, the, um, the sacrament of confirmation. It's that you'll have confirmation somehow in your sign. And I like the way she talks about this because she says, you know, I explained to my children that seeking a confirmation is different than seeking a sign. Um, so confirmation of what you think you're discerning. So you think this is what you're supposed to do, seeking some sort of confirmation. I'm, I'm reading from this. A sign is something simply external, and a confirmation stems from an internal decision in conjunction with an external answer from above. So examples can include written words from Scripture or even simple words from a family friend, a family member or friend. That's another thing that I think it's important to share. I, I mean, I've shared with my kids that I've had a couple events in my life where I was going through something and somebody— said something that they may not even intended for it to be what it was to me, but it was like confirmation. Stephanie and I had one of our, one of our bigger arguments. um, (laughs) One of our bigger arguments after the triplets were born and they were young and, and, and I was saying, um, um, I was saying, well, I love, I love teaching and doing that. And at that point I was, I mean, that was one of the crazier years of my life. I mean, I, I, I loved every minute of it, but I went back and looked and I did about 56 talks in a year. Um, Stephanie pointed out that I didn't make a penny, <laughs> but, but, and we were struggling financially at the time. But she's like, you know, you need to, you need to focus on your work. And so I, I, we got in a big argument about that. And um, I came, and at that point, Bishop David was Father David, and he wasn't even here at St. Mary's normally. He had been as an associate pastor before, and he he was the vocation director. And I came into St. Mary's kind of to to say a prayer, and I literally bumped into him. And I was struggling with this argument that Stephanie and I had had. And I said, hey, do you have a moment to talk? And he said, Trey, it's, it's ironic, but... I don't have any time today, but I've got the next 30 minutes wide open. I mean, the rest of my day is taken. So if you want 30 minutes, I can give you. So we went back downstairs here and into a room and I started explaining, you know, I love teaching. I really feel called to that and whatever. And then all of a sudden out of his mouth was, are you finished? And I said, yes. He goes, you need to do what your wife tells you to do with regard to that. You need to stop speaking and start focusing on, on providing for your family. <laughs> what? I mean, that was like not what I wanted to hear, but I do remember just very an, an internal just feeling of like that. I believe that's coming straight from God. I mean, I wanted to argue, but there was just like 
this is it. And he said, so Trey, here's the deal. You say no to everything. You, you, you say no to everything that comes your way. And if God wants you to do it, then he'll make it clear that you want to do it. And the way he's going to make it clear that he wants you to do it is your wife's going to be okay with you doing it. And that's the way I've kind of run my life since then because it was so impactful. And so I began saying no to any time I was asked to do anything. Um, and then all of a sudden, I got a phone call from a friend who, this is probably, I don't know, eight months later, got a phone call from a friend who asked me to help him with a project for the bishop, actually, the Bishop Heyman at the time. And uh, it was like, oh my gosh, I so badly want to do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to say yes. I said, well, can I call you back? And I went out and um, spoke to Stephanie and thought I'd get pushed back, thought I'd do everything. And her initial response was, Trey, I think you ought to do it. And I found that that's, and I, that's my counsel to a lot of young married guys is that your, your wife, you may disagree with, but she's there to kind of put the reins on you, I guess, at some, at some point. And so that's always changed. But, but confirmation of what's the right thing, Me, she and I were in a, an argument, came from the words of somebody, and they weren't what I was expecting, but they were something that confirmed that what Stephanie had asked me to do was actually what God's will was for me. And so anyway, but be looking for those and tell them that that's, you know, are you hearing the same thing? Are you hearing similar things from different people as you're discerning something that, that are giving you some sort of confirmation, do this, don't do that. And when you get kind of a confluence, kind of this, this, number of things happening as you're trying to discern, Lord, show me the way, uh, be a light unto my path. As, there, as you're doing that, you are listening to not just what Scripture says and not what's going on in your heart, but you're also going to be paying attention to friends and family and, and people in authority over you. They're going to help confirm what is His will on this. So anyway, I think that's cool. So discern, D I S. C, so daily prayer, interests, sacred scripture, silence, and spiritual direction. C, confirmation. So we're at E, and events is that. So this is really important, too. You know, she says in the article, our Lord also allows events in our lives to happen, which can lead us to his holy will. And one of the things that you have you you have to recognize, and again, this is part of God's providence and teaching God's providence. Nothing happens that God's not aware of happening. So if something shuts the door, that seems like whatever. So for me, it was for me personally. I remember I was working on my master's in theology, uh, heading into my third year when we found out we were pregnant with triplets, and we were told that um, that you need to kind of be open from about February to May <laughs> because the babies could come anytime. If, you know, if everything goes well, they could come anytime from that. Well, I had to go to my professor. I'm about to graduate last semester. And I go to my professor and I say, hey, I know you're only allowed to miss one class here. Um there's a chance I might, might miss two or three. And is there any way you can work with me? His response was, if it's God's will, you'll do it. You can miss one, but if it's God's will and you're out for three, then it wasn't his will that you graduate <laughs> this year, which is not what I wanted to hear either. And th we prayed for that. Not, and good, good news is, amazingly, we made it all the way through and they let me finish in April and the babies were born actually on graduation day from that. And I missed that last class. Um, but we had planned that. So obviously it was God's will that I, that I finish. But I think that we have to teach them that sometimes, you know, if you get sick and you can't do something that you were planning on doing, that we have to kind of take as, well, maybe, just maybe, God was keeping you from that for whatever reason that we can't understand. 
that kind of like the rain with, with Trevor, you know, with, with my oldest son and baseball, you know, sometimes things happen for, for a reason and we have to assume there's a reason and it may not be what we want to have happen, but events shape our life. So we have to, again, building on, not only does God have a plan, but part of the way he lets that plan unfold is by events that he allows to happen that may shape what we can do or not do, right? I mean, the, the things that close doors um, when you think, okay, I'm about to walk through it. And so you have to, again, share in your own life when perhaps an event kept you from doing something that you wanted. Or like for me, I would share that story with my kids that it was not what I wanted my professor to say. I wanted him to say, hey, you know, (laughs) it'll be fine. You know, we'll let you graduate. Um, But that's not what he said. And so we have to be open to certain events kind of getting in the way of what we do and recognize in that that actually the hand of God directing our lives, shutting a door, opening a door, whatever it is. So again, put it in in the hands of God's in charge. None of this surprises him. (laughs) I mean, this is part of his plan. Even if you don't like it, it's part of his plan. And he's got a better plan for you. If he's shutting the door, he's about to open another one. So anyway, so discern. D-I-S-C-E for events, R for reason. I, I think this is really important. Emotions, particularly on discernment, because oftentimes it's not just an open door. When you're discerning, you're actually slowing down things, but you have a decision in your in your mind that you want to have happen, Right. We have to use reason. God gave us intellect and will, and and we can use our reason to help discern. So we're, do, we're doing all this other stuff, praying, but there's also just a practical sense of I've, I can use my reason as part of the discernment process to say, you know, this really doesn't make sense. For example, it was extraordinarily reasonable for Father Dave, Bishop David to tell me, look, you need to spend more time figuring out how to make a living for your family than doing stuff for free, even though it is a good thing. And so that was very reasonable, even if it was not what I wanted to hear. God's not afraid of reason. And so one of the things, you know, is to sit down and and kind of go through, okay, the pros and cons. I mean, that's that's a very you know, normal thing and in, in trying to decide what to do in a situation. So as part of the all doing all these other things, you know, to sit down and say, okay, here are the pros of making this decision. Um, and here's the cons to making this decision and to get in the exercise of using, okay, you know, this is the pros are, I love doing it. Um, I'm good at it, whatever. Cons are you have six kids at home and a wife. <laughs> you need to, you're not making any money doing it. So let's do it. And so you have to weigh those things and reason takes part of that. Um, and so, and that's actually, I think the pros and cons is even something that Ignatius, St. Ignatius has in his discernment process that reason is, remember, God's the truth, right? The way, the truth, and the life. So we need spiritual things are not unreasonable, right? I mean, spiritual things are, we got to teach them. Because I think sometimes people will say, you know, faith and reason are opposite each other. Faith and science are counter to each other. To be, to, to be a person of faith means that you have to be able to do things that are unreasonable. Well, that's only if in reason you know for a fact that that's what God wants you to do. But he's never going to do something that is not, there's not reason behind it. It's not the only thing, but it is certainly a thing in the process of discernment. So add that to it. So again, daily prayer is D, interest is I, S, sacred scripture, silence, spiritual direction. Uh, C is confirmation. E, 
or events that happen. R is reason. And then N, she uses novena. I, I love it. Um, so I'll share part of the story here. It's, you know, this lady says a novena is a beautiful tool to help discern God's will in our lives when it comes to a major decisions for them, for this lady, um, like a move or a change of a job. Her family's go-to is a 54-day rosary novena. But sometimes 54 days is that's that's a long process. So she says, when well, we need to make a decision rather immediately, there's a nine hour novena that she uses with the infant of Prague, which I've had a devotion to as well. And and I and I think that's powerful. But the cool thing is because Saint Therese of Lisieux is one of my favorites, is um all of her children and many of mine love anything with Therese of Lisieux. And so there's a Therese, there's a St. Therese Novena um, that they use there. But find a Novena, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're discerning on whether going find you know, do some research and find the patron saint of whatever that is, you know, that, that's a, that's a way to do it. And I think it's something you kind of, Hey, let's figure out who we should ask. There's probably a Novena that we could use. I mean, for us, St. Joseph, which we talked about, I think last week, um, is such a critical piece of of um, of our spirituality, and so and given me as a father, oftentimes we do novenas to him. I don't think it matters, you know, who the novena is, but I do think it's probably worth maybe looking up patron saints of whatever they're discerning, and 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 say a novena. <clears throat> Of course, one of the things in the novena, and she kind of ends this, is with with the end. After you discern, there is heaven's answer. And if you can remember the beginning, the beginning quote about you know that uh, heaven's got the la- you know has the final say on the matter. That the end of the discernment process is what is heaven's answer. And she talks about her daughter um, who who had said a novena to Saint Therese, and usually on parts of those, you'll see that that roses will show up <laughs> as, as in a response. And, um, and so I'll share with this. So she'd been praying this novena about whether she should go. Um, said my daughter used the tools above and was delighted to receive her confirmation of white roses on the ninth day of her St. Uh, Therese novena. Um, because that's typically tied with St. Therese that, that roses would, would, um, will show up as confirmation. So she finished her novena and the roses gave her the confirmation of what she had been discerning. And I love the fact that she, she also mentions in here, which I hadn't mentioned, which is to kind of wait for that instead of hurrying up and making a decision, which I'm awful at. I do. I oftentimes will make a decision because I think this is what it, what, what God wants and just move she says, wait for that confirmation. If God wants you to do it, he will provide the confirmation. All of this to say, what happens when you put together this, when you teach the tools of this discernment process, is you put it in God's hands and you let God respond so that they become aware of the fact that God is intimately involved in your life. And he has a plan for your life. There's risk involved <laughs> that it may not be what you want. But we have found, particularly when we were praying for something we really felt like God wanted us to pray for, that he comes through in the most random and specific ways in answer to prayer. And if you have a few of those, then what happens when they leave the house whether they actually experienced it or not, or you're showing it to them. Like I, I shared the fact that we did a St. Joseph Novena la, last week regarding trying to sell our house and that somebody just showed up at our door, um, no for sale sign, nothing, and said, I want to buy your house. Stuff like that happens. And when it does happen, um, that's confirmation that whether they've actually experienced it or not, that God is involved in their lives. And we want our kids walking out of the door as out of our door when they leave to go to college or whatever, that they understand that God has a plan 
and that he will intervene and he will be involved and he does care as Stephanie <laughs> says in the details. She'll say that not necessarily theologically correct, but but I think it's funny. She says he's the only man that's into the details, <laughs> but he is into the details. That's what she would say if she was here. So I'm saying it for her. But if you if you live the life that way, then you're you're going to help them make decisions down the road and to discern what is pleasing and and good and perfect in their life, and their mind will be transformed, and so will their heart when they see what God does. So. Anyway, hopefully that was um, that was helpful. I, I, you know, there were a few things in here that I wish we had done um, as we raised. So we we didn't follow this. I thought this was very um, on target with regard to what discernment looks like. I love the acronym, and again, I'll just I'll just do it again for my old teacher. Tell him what you were going to tell him. Tell him, and then tell him what you told him. I'm going to tell you what I told you. Uh, the seven tools are D, daily prayer, I, interests, S, three S's, um, sacred scripture, silence, spiritual direction. C is confirmation. E is events. R is reason. And N is novena. And that all ends with heaven's answer to that prayer. So, Hopefully that was helpful. It was helpful for me. I, I don't have kids. I'll, I maybe I'll use it. I don't have kids around anymore, but I but I could even share with with them at this point. So, um, go out there and use it and um, and help your kids and help yourself. So um, anyway, as we always say here, uh, you can't take only God can take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. He will always does. So pray for us. We'll be praying for you. God bless. We'll see you next time. Bye.